0: Welcome back to the Phases Podcast. I'm your host, or something like that. My name is Maddie. Second episode. So weird. Um, I have my... You know those cringy-ass jugs that are like 8 a.m., 10 a.m.? They're like, good morning, you got it. Remember your goal. That's it. No excuses. I got that. I'm a little behind on it. But I'll be thirsty... Um, I had that, I got some Lay's chips I had my fans on So if you can hear that I don't I really don't know what to tell you It's so hot in here So y'all you are know, just gonna have to live Um Yeah, I got my dog with me We're chillin' I brushed my hair for the first time in two days Chillin' Recording this a day late chillin. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. okay, this is the first time I've had the opportunity to really sit down and record this with no one home and nothing going on, not at work or just utterly exhausted. So here we are. Like the last episode, the topic of this has changed many times, but I have two things I kind of want to cover. And I just kind of want to talk about changing paths today and what that looks like, why it's so hard, and all of that. You could call it entering a new phase if you want to. And the biggest example that I want to use for this is Emma Chamberlain. Now, if you don't know who that is, she is I mean, I don't know how you don't know who that is, but I also feel like I have this relationship with her as majority of her followers do, but she is, I'm not even going to call her an influencer because she is so much more than that, Um, but ultimately she's an influencer, she's a YouTuber, she is a lifestyle YouTuber and a businesswoman and she's a badass fucking soul, so... Yeah, Um, she started YouTube when she was like in high school, so she had to be either 16 or 17, and millions of people gravitated towards her, which is something in and of itself, and she's openly talked about her struggles with just um, this self-loathing of like, Thinking that everything she does is cringy. And I can so understand that. I could so understand that. Um, And I'm just... That's one of the many reasons why I just appreciate her so much. But basically, she started YouTube when she was fairly young. And she got a huge audience off of it. Moved to LA. She's always been the quirky one of all the YouTubers. The different one. And I think that's why people gravitated towards her. And then I think she got so popular that a lot of people, or not a lot, but, you know, smaller creators started editing like her and started, you know, doing things like her. And I don't think that that was the reason why she changed it, but she just is that big of a deal. And that's in this creative space, um... And she had her own, like, self-loathing issues, her own identity crisis, and she, like, gave her editing away, um, let someone else do her editing, and she, you know, she said it just became really disingenuous. and with that many people following her for years, she's she started when she was 16, 17, she's 20 now. She like, somewhere around 10 million subscribers. Who knows how many followers she has on Instagram. I don't know. She just started changing her pace. And what I mean by that is it went from, like, she took her creative back. She, like, had the idea, and then somewhere it got swept away. Somewhere it got misinterpreted. Somewhere it was... It started to become, I guess, for someone else, for someone, for a girl that she wasn't anymore, I guess is the better way to put it. And it became not her. She became not that. And so with that many people looking at her, with that many people feeling as though they had some sort of relationship to her. Ten million people, four million views on every video of her simply doing day to day tasks of her eating spicy hummus, making PB&Js and just playing the fucking drums like (laughs) four million people not four million people at least on every video 10 million people assuming they have this relationship with her and she decided I'm gonna change the entire way that I do this that is more authentic to me I'm gonna change the entire I'm gonna start editing my videos again because she said in her podcast that it was that she thinks it's the thing that it's her passion in life and I could see it, because she's so fucking good at it. I just commend her, and I aspire to be like her on so many levels. Because I think that, you know, putting this out to the world, and not even to the world. I think I had 20 people listen to the last episode, and I'm, a, I'm okay with that. I actually... Was, <laughs> there would be sometimes I would look at 20 and be like Ugh. <laughs> like I don't know. I don't know if I know 20 people. <laughs> but um I think I just I aspire to be like her and I aspire to have that kind of confidence because when you do something like what she does and you're perceived by so many people It could be so fucking hard. And then not only that, but then to say, hey, like, if you're really down for this journey, I think she titled the playlist that she has of her new editing style evolving. And it's just kind of this statement where it's like, I know I've hinted at this change for a while now between, you know, the way that I dress, the way that I, my views on things, but if you're really down for it, This is what it's going to be. And she didn't even have to say that. She didn't have to make some dumbass disclaimer. She just started doing it. And she was like, I'm taking my fucking life back. Because this isn't me anymore. And I'm not enjoying this anymore. And this isn't good for me anymore. And, you know, hindsight is a magical thing. But... I'm sure her looking back, it was the inner dialogue she had to have had to be horrifying. If you already have that much self-loathing, if you already have that much just identity crisis, like, and then you have millions of people watching you and you have to decide, okay, this is how I make my money. I'm sure it's how she makes majority of her money. Um, between like sponsorship she has her own company but you know it's a it's a lot of her money having that inner dialogue with yourself someone who you're already unsure of and having to decide actually no you know how grounded she had to be you know how present she had to be with herself Like, I just, with that many people watching, with her career on the line, pretty much, she just didn't even have to say it. She just did it. She just changed. She just showed everyone, hey, I'm evolving. This is a whole new style. It's like if, it's like... If reality TV went from the format of reality TV to the format of The Office. (laughs) With no explanation. As she fucking should. As she should. And I kind of want to just say, like, being the second episode, being so nervous from the first one, being pretty nervous for this one. Being nervous to show all the judgmental bitches on my fucking Instagram. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. Um. Don't fucking perceive me. Don't. I heard this, um, God, it's the last Demi Lovato episode of her podcast 4D. And the guest on there, he's like the producer of, or the writer of Big Mouth. Real funny guy. Ugh. I don't know his name let me look it up hold on hold on i can find it i can find it i swear anyway she asked all her people that she has on there you know how do you want to be seen how do you want to introduce yourself and they literally went don't perceive me i don't i'm actually at this place right now where i don't want to be perceived jordan firstman um, and I just, I resonated with that so much because every other guest on her podcast was like, oh, um, you know, I'm a, I'm an actor or I'm a singer or, you know, I'm a whatever. Um, but I'm also a cook and a mother or whatever. And he was like, don't perceive me. <laughs> I don't, don't, don't. And I... I just, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. Um, And it's not that I don't care about how you perceive me, because in the grand scheme of things, how you perceive me is how you actually perceive these shadows' versions of yourself. You're not, either you're not willing to see, or you don't like when you see, or you do like. When you see them. And you can't accept them. So it's not that these perceptions of me. Are necessarily like. Useless. And that I don't care about them. Because that's not true. I think if you. Applied them to yourself. They would. <laughs> they could really do you some good. Um, but if you're not going to use it for that. Then don't fucking perceive me. That's how I feel about it. So. With all that being said, this episode will be advertised on my main Instagram and on more platforms. I quietly put it in my Instagram bio, um, but everyone is so wrapped up in their own fucking reality that no one actually cares. And that's why I put it there, Um, because no one actually cares. So if you're just joining... Perceive me for your own good. Otherwise, fuck off. That's all I really have to say about that. And back to the Emma Chamberlain thing. She's just an icon. She was just at the fucking Met Gala. And I don't know if you saw her dress. She killed it. Um, I was, I'm just proud of her. And she has no idea who I am. And I'm just proud of her. And I'm okay with that. I just, I'm just proud of her. And I leave her little comments. I like comments in her YouTube thing. And I'm just like, I just appreciate you. Because I don't know how I would feel if people telling me like, I love you so much. I blah, 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 Like, I just, she has to be such a strong individual. And I just appreciate her for that. I appreciate her showing that and not overanalyzing it, not like, I mean, she does in her podcast, but on her YouTube, her main, where she started it, she's just like, you're either going to understand that I started this when I was 17 and I'm 20 years old now, and I think we have to allow people the space to change because even when she was in this like murky middle, where she had just given her editing off and it was now just like she was open about people, you know, constantly telling her that she had changed. They want the old Emma, whatever. And I just, I remember thinking this is such a bullshit. What do you mean you want the old Emma? Like this is a lifestyle, this is a personal YouTube channel. These are not idea-based videos. This is a relationship-based channel. And so, therefore, while she's growing as a person, the channel is going to take a new direction. Not everyone, I think, has the ability to understand that, but I think we fucking should. I think we should all be more than accepting because there's no way, whoever you are, whatever age you're at, Picture yourself five years ago and tell me if you're anything like the same person. And don't lie to you, don't lie to me, and don't lie to yourself because you weren't. And so putting that type of pressure on someone else, it just, I don't think we should do it. I don't know why we do it. I think it goes back to that whole mirrored thing where it's like we can't accept change in ourselves, So we put everyone else's change on blast and we must assume that it's so fake we must assume that th- that can't be real because for forever I've had them in this box. I've had I've I had their whole life planned away, tucked away. And I think that's what we have to do because we're so hyper involved in our own lives that we don't have time to overanalyze the growth of everyone else. But I think we should throw away all these trash ass boxes and like Not put them there in the first place. Like, what's the point? We, like, deem people as, and we could just use Emma Chamberlain. We deemed her as this teenage creator who was just crazy off the walls, had a crazy editing style, was still very entertaining, but, you know. (laughs) And then people started to see her move out of her box, and they were like, wait, hold on i had you there you can't move the fuck is going on i don't have time to put you in another box i don't have time to rename you and it's just so selfish and i just i think we shouldn't move out of that so if you are someone listening to this who thinks for even a second that they've done that trust me i've been there i'm with you i've done it but stop Stop. So since I'm advertising this on all the places where I just don't trust humans, I said this to someone the other day. I love the idea of people, but when it comes to individual people, (laughs) I can't handle it. I can't do it. When it comes to the thought of an actual person with like, no. The idea of people is so satisfying, but then actual people scare the shit out of me. Anywho, um, so if you are one of those people that has me in a certain box, feel free, feel free to leave my box blank, please, because I've tried to do that to your box, so, yeah, I think that's my feelings on that, I just, this was the thing that I was talking, thinking to myself about the most today, I watched a live, um, interview, the Vogue's live interview of the Met, and I saw Emma Chamberlain there, and I, I couldn't believe it, but I could believe it. Like, there was no reason I couldn't believe it, and I think it was still that part of me that, that girl who was 16 along with her thinking, like, oh my god, how did you get there? You weren't supposed to be there, and so I, I get it. I know why it happens, but it's your responsibility to make to change it. And to be like, actually, no, there's no reason why she can't be there. And I think she of all people should. I mean, who was it last year? Fucking James Charles? <laughs> Come on now. Come on. Come on. But yeah, that's how, that's what I have to say about this. And I just think if you want to change your life... When you do start to change your life, I should say, you will start to realize that it genuinely doesn't matter what box other people have you in. I don't encourage you to do it. But you will start to realize it just doesn't matter. No matter how many people are looking at you, no matter if it's what you make your money off of, no matter if you have this identity crisis in yourself and you're not even sure what you're doing and you think that everything you do is cringy, you will start to realize that no one's perception of you actually matters. So, that's what I'm leaving this with. I'm going to go on a break. Uh, Don't perceive me. Okay, hi guys. Um, We're back from a little break. Um, But today's episode number two, I kind of want to piggyback off of what we were just talking about and... You know, your ability to just climb out of other people's boxes because, because why would you stay? Um, and I'm going to let you guys in. I'm going to tell you my letting in story. Most commonly known as my coming out story. Um, but I believe it was Glenn and Doyle that explained why it's more of a letting you in situation than it coming out to you because again I shouldn't have to come out of your box. I should just be able to let you into mine and it all be okay. Um so yeah, I'm letting you in. And yeah, to be honest here, there's not much to tell. And so we're gonna go on a lot of different tangents. We're gonna cover a lot of bases um because my my coming out story is just not as juicy as many people's is so um yeah I guess I should just start with when I kind of allowed myself to be open to the idea I don't even I'm so bad with years I think it was I don't even know it was When I first started working um, at Starbucks and because that company is just so inclusive and it's so inviting to (laughs) to the LGBTQ community, it just is so, it's like this common ground that we all have. It's like where we all go to meet in the middle. (laughs) obviously not all of us, but, like, a lot of us feel very safe there. um, And it just works out. And I met the most queer people I've ever met in my entire fucking life at Starbucks. Um, It's where I met my girlfriend now. And so, yeah. um, It's when I really started to feel okay with just voicing it, with expressing it, with telling people, Hey, by the way, I like girls. By the way, I think I want to like kiss a girl and like it and like not be drunk. Um, (laughs) So obviously, you know, it didn't start there, but this is when I started to allow myself to fully feel it, to fully invite it and to put myself in situations where that could be a topic of conversation and um, I think for the longest time I didn't do that because, you know, A, just being stuck in other people's boxes and the religious trauma I had. If I'm just going to be completely open here, and this is going to piss some Bible thumpers off, but hey, sorry. Sorry, bestie. Um, I didn't realize I had religious trauma until I did some deep... Deep healing work. And um, it was this inner child connect, a six week class. And um, it was during one of the meditations that we went in through a door. We were guided to a door with our inner child that was basically just a memory of something that was holding us back, something that we were almost scared of, ashamed of. And my inner child. We ended up being in my childhood church. And she was so timid. She was so like, she brought me there. So she was ready to talk about it. She was comfortable to talk about it with me. But, um, and it was, it was, I so caught off guard. I mean, I knew it. I knew that I had religious trauma. I would hear the word prayer. Even f- I would hear the word God even from a more spiritual person not someone who's practicing a organized religion and i would feel so fucking off put i would be like ugh. like i would cringe i there would something in my body that would just like leave <laughs> and um she f- i felt that walking in and i saw that she felt that and when you're doing this work it's your job to help that little version of you heal that trauma. And um, I think what the the biggest spokesperson for the trauma that I had there was every other place that I let my inner child run amok and feel her fucking feelings, she was ready to do it. But in that church, she just kind of like, she knocked over one chair. And I was like, baby girl, I know you're feeling more than that. Like, it's okay. It Cause some chaos. Even when I told her, as I had told her time and time again, it was okay to be mad. It was okay to feel upset and angry at this church, at the people who brought you here, at the people who still believe that this shit is true. It's okay to be angry. And. That was when, you know, she finally was running amok and knocking over 50 chairs, and it was a whole thing. She went up to the stage and knocked over the fucking pew, and it was beautiful. (laughs) And like I said, this is going to piss off some Bible thumpers, so if most of you have already probably clicked off, and that's okay with me. But that was when I knew that even when we had practiced being in such a safe space that it was okay. And she still couldn't do it. She was just so restricted. And I think that's the hard thing about practiced um, or organized religion is that they use such such a divine power, you know? They use this being. They use the spirituality that is your human nature, you know? And they put rules to it and they put judgments to it and they put a higher and a lower to it and they put dumbass rules like you can't you can't sleep with the same sex. You can't you know, they do these things for their own agenda and it really scarred me. And I had no idea I I mean my soul had every knew that to a T but I wasn't ready to feel that yet. And I think that was the biggest eye-opener for me as to why I never fully allowed myself to feel those feelings. Why I never fully let my imagination roam. Why I never thought, hey, maybe I could kiss a girl and like it. Um, it's because I had such deep religious trauma. And so that is the biggest reason. Why I can't really go farther back than to when I was 18. Because there was so much telling me, don't feel this, don't feel this. And I had been so rebellious um, in that I wasn't like this, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's not that I was so involved with the church, but the people around me were people around me today still are and that's completely okay if it's your way of coping that's great if it's your way to feel connected to this divine then great but I think that when it's put into the wrong hands and when it's received wrong it is very easy for people to use it to further put people in boxes to further just judge people and I think As a child, I watched the people who raised me judge other people in the name of fucking, in the name of Jesus. (laughs) Like, the fuck? And so it was just very hard for me to, I I just, I had such an issue with the Christian church for such a long time, and do I, would I still, would I ever go back? No. Um, But do I cringe as much when I hear it? No, and I think that's because of just the trauma being healed and just discussed and just looked at for the first time. But, um so yeah, not to say that I was like this huge churchgoer that I ever really fully believed, but I watched people get judged in the name of the Lord for a while. So I think it was hard knowing that I could most definitely, and I would most definitely be judged in the name of some higher power um so yeah when i let go of that when i let go of the idea of organized religion altogether is when i was fully ready to just you know explore um so where are we okay so i work at starbucks meet some really queer people and I meet my girlfriend now and I just start bringing her home I start spending the night at her apartment she starts coming here it's a whole thing and I really don't introduce her as I introduce her as Suzette and that's just what it is and y'all can draw your conclusions from there I don't really care And that's exactly how it was, and I understand. And I just want to preface that I understand my privilege in all of this. I understand how hard it is for so many to come out and how that very religious trauma will stop people from ever coming out. And I understand it. So I'm not making light of the situation, but my privilege in this is that I did have a very light situation. I started bringing her home, and I think when you... Also, when you cut off a parent, and when they cut you off, and when you're just estranged, when that happens, it is not as scary to do it again. You know, I think it would seem like you would want to hold on to every relationship you have for your dear life, but it's not. It kind of teaches you that you're okay with, if you don't accept me, baby girl, I'll do it again. <laughs> I'll figure it out the same way I did the last time people got it worse do I want it to happen absolutely not but if you can accept me for for what it is then bye babe so um and I don't know if you would call that privilege I just think that you would maybe call that trauma bonding if you understand that um, so yeah <laughs> um but I brought her home and I remember my mom came into my room one day one night and she was like, so. And I, my mom never does this. So I always know when she does this, she's either getting on to me about something with my siblings. Or she's like, letting me know something serious. So I, I knew something was up. She walked in my room. She was like, so. Um, so, are you... <laughs> Bless her fucking heart. She was like, right, so are you lesbian or you know what (laughs) so uncomfortable for her and I was pretty uncomfortable for me but I was also just like you know um I I don't have a name for it I don't really have an answer for you that is Suzette I like her um I kiss her (laughs) <laughs> um, and that's just what it is. She's just kind of she's just she she's just a human being that I find really fucking attractive and that I am really emotionally drawn to, and that's just pretty much it. And obviously she's like, yeah, but no, it's not it. (laughs) And so that's when she starts, okay, but are you like, so you're like a lesbian? And that's when I tell her I don't really, um, no, I just like her. And I was, I'm very blessed because, you know, the response that she gave was, I never really saw you as someone who was just one or the other. You know, I, you know, you, I could see how it's just for the soul and just for who they are. And I get emotional thinking about that now because so many people don't have that. And so many people's parents don't understand that. Don't understand that it's okay to be strange and just fucking queer. And just understand and like people on a soul level. On this human to human level. Not this box surface level. Not this gendered level. So many parents, so many people don't understand that for whatever reason. It could be religious trauma. It could be just, sadly, just the way they were raised. It could just be... That that's the soul contract they have and they have to learn to come out of that eventually. I don't know, but there are so many reasons why people don't understand that. And so I am very, very grateful. As light as the situation is and as light as it was, I'm very grateful that that's the experience that I had. So, yes, from then on, and I am going to say it now because I'm actually really proud of myself for this. I have never put a label on what I am. I The closest I'll get to a label is queer, which really isn't even a label. I mean, it is, but it's not. <laughs> it doesn't get as specific as the rest of them. Um, and, I, you know, people will s- assume that I'm lesbian. People will assume that most people assume that I'm bi, given my history with men some people could think I'm pan, some people could think this is a phase. <laughs> and at the end of the day, I, I get this weird sense of peace, not weird, this sacred sense of peace, knowing that I have never put a name to it. And that that, like so many other things, is just a perception. That label that you have for me, if you know me, that label that you have for me, is a very example of a box that you've put someone in. You have no idea what I identify as because I've never told you, because I've never named it, and I never have to. So if you have me in a buy box, if you have me in a this is a phase box, if you have me in a lesbian box, that is your perception. That is, a, that is an example of the very thing that we talked about before the break. And it's not your fault. You know, it's what, like, we're trained to do. I do it. But going forward, letting you in, I don't really have a label. Closest I get to one, like I said, is queer. I heavily, heavily identify with queer But nothing more specific. I'm okay with that, so you should be okay with that. My mom's okay with that, so you should be okay with that. (laughs) Uh, Period. Okay. Now, I am glamorizing my coming out story. Because for a while, it was just rainbows and butterflies and LGBTQ, and everybody just pride, pride, pride. And everyone's just so accepting. They just don't care, you know? Because, because I would actually give a fuck if you did. <laughs> the fuck. Um, But there have been weird instances. There have been awkward scenarios, Um, which doesn't really bother me. I kind of assumed I have a very Republican religious family, so, you know... It was kind of warranted. I was kind of ready for it. Um, but I have had very, very, very hurtful words in my own nuclear family. And I don't put it past that person anymore. But I don't want to sit here and act like it was all privilege and it was all beautiful and it was all just happy-go-lucky we were all going to be accepting from the beginning I was just ready to take on the bullshit and I was ready to leave it behind if there was any so know the difference Um, but there have been very 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 hurtful words said to me by one of the closest people in my life and so and I'm not gonna say it I'm not gonna like drag it all out but it was a lot and we didn't speak for months and since I've had an apology and it's all been okay but don't hear this and think she's just a privileged white bitch who had a very liberal family and who was ready to accept her and you know it's definitely not the case um there was things like in 2020 when the election was happening and there was it was really touch and go with lgbtq rights and who was going to you know fuck it let's just fuck it say it was trump <laughs> fuck it um really touch and go with those rights for a while and trans rights and just in in the month of fucking june by the way need i remind you the fucking audacity the dick on that man dude anyway um and i had people really close to me really 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 close to me who swore they understood who swore they were there for it vote for him And I had to really explain, you don't know what you're voting for. You don't understand what you're doing. If this actually happens, you don't get it. And it was really touch and go. (laughs) I've had some really touch and go moments with really close people in my life. So overall... I wouldn't change my experience. Overall, I'm very, very grateful for the people in my life and for the means of communication because, Jesus, I've come a long way with that. (laughs) But there have been moments where I have questioned people's integrity, where I've questioned people's morals, where I've questioned people's actual acceptance of me. If they just accepted me because they were too scared of the repercussions, if they didn't. Um, I've questioned a lot. And at this point, I'm at a, a spot where I'm okay. And I'm just very grateful for what I do have because I have seen the very, very opposite for people. I'm not oblivious to it. You know, I have my privilege, I have my fucking struggles, but I've seen some really dark shit. I've heard some really dark shit. And I've seen how it's affected people in this community. And it it's something we should talk about, you know, because it's so hard to talk about. And it's such a hard thing to let people in because you never know what box you were in and how people are going to react to having to take you out of that box. You know, you're just happy you're just sitting pretty in their straight box that they have for you and one day you're like, "Hey, I need you to move me." And they're like, "Fuck you." <laughs> and shit can go sideways. Um so now I want to talk about how hard it can be to date in the closet. I just want to start off by saying that in no way do I ever think that you should be forcing someone out of the closet. Do I think that you should look down on someone who is still in the closet? I don't think you should, like, oh, especially, like, the stigma between, you know, exploring curious women or men or just people um, who have never, you know, been with the opposite gender or, or been with the, you know, whatever... Um, and, like, this weird stigma that, like, oh, you've never done it, so you just don't get it, you're just not with it yet, this is just a phase for you, like, the way that that stigma carries into the own, to our own community, it actually really fucking disgusts me, and I don't think it should be there. How are we gonna say we don't want stigma in the fucking heterosexual communities, and yet it's in the LGBTQ community? How the fuck are we gonna do that? Tell me how ass-backwards that is. (laughs) Ch- check yourself. <laughs> so I want to lead with that. But I also do want to say that I think if you're not willing to come out of the closet, you shouldn't be dating. Unless you You have this mutual agreement with someone. Maybe they're not out of the closet. Maybe they don't want to be out of the closet. Maybe you don't want to be out of the closet. Unless there are these like guidelines, these bumpers that you have then I think you should just refrain from doing it, you know? Um, Do I think you need to just... Because I understand also wanting to, like, almost validate it, validate your own experience by being like, oh, hey, look, I totally get that. Um, uh, Like, almost proving that you're gay. Um, I get it, but I think if you're not going into the relationship more than willing to face the repercussions for that person. And I don't think you should do it because there's hurt on so many levels. There's It can hurt so many people in the process. And I understand the sense of peace that you have being in that straight box. I understand how it keeps the peace. I understand, you know, people aren't trying to pray the gay away at this point. I get it. I get why you're doing it. I get that it's hard. I see it but i've also been on the other side of that hurt where people start to question if they're good enough if if they're worthy of that if you're i and then you start to i feel i was i would imagine that you start to question your own autonomy your own authenticity because it's like am i good enough for my own fucking truth am i Loving myself enough to just do it, no matter the repercussions. And I think that for me, going through what I did with my father, it was almost easier to picture losing a parent. But if you've never done that, if you've never gone through any hurt like that, I can see why that would be an impossible situation, but um, like I said, a button on the other end of that. And I just, if you're not ready to come out of the closet at all, that's perfectly okay, baby. That's perfectly okay. But do not start trying to be in a open relationship. Do not start trying to be in a out and proud relationship if you're not ready to be out and proud, because it can do damage to that other person and it puts you in this internal war between the life you used to know and the life you want to have and I just (laughs) I 10 out of 10 don't fucking recommend it (laughs) um so yeah that's my thoughts on that and I think I get to put in my two cents on that just because I've dealt with it I've been in it and I don't think you should do it I also want to leave room to say that you should I think we should give um, our parents and the people around us some grace. Because as easy as I've been sitting here saying that it would be so easy to just almost cut everyone off and be like, okay, fuck you guys if you don't fuck with me. I get it. I see that because I would have done that. Ultimately, I would have done that. But there have been bumps in the road, and I was okay with getting getting through them. Because it can be hard for people, especially parents um, guardians and just people who had this whole plan for your life, for it to change with one conversation, with one inkling of suspicion. Um, I think we have to leave a little bit of room for grace. Um, now do I think they should be able to just walk all over you and just kind of say that your identity isn't shit and you should just go back and sit in the little box and shut the fuck up and go to church? No, (laughs) no, I don't think that but i do think that it is valid to give the people who care about us a little room to shift their boxes around and to you know sit with the idea that their child's life or their friend's life or whatever their sister's life or wh- whoever the person in their life is going to have a com- it's going to take a completely different turn than what excuse me jesus than what they had expected for you. So. Kind of want to also say that. That. You know. We should all should, should give grace to straight people. You know. Because at the end of the day. They're straight. So. <laughs> um, And lastly. This is like such a long episode. But I'm loving it. I'm loving having this conversation. Last thing I want to talk about is being in this community and the new responsibility I feel that that I have. Um, It makes the inner activist in me just fucking ecstatic. She is like over the moon that we get to be a part of something so fucking beautiful at the end of the day. You know, we're all human in this. And so obviously this community is going to have its faults and it's going to have a fuck ton of internalized homophobia because of because of so many reasons but at the end of the day it's a beautiful community it's a free free safe space and there's like micro clusters of safe spaces that we kind of migrate to and it's just it's such a beautiful it's such a beautiful thing and i'm so fucking proud to be a part of it but i think we can't enjoy what comes with it without facing you know our own repercussions our own internalized homophobia our own fucking parental issues our own letting in stories not only do we face that but as a as a minority group we also Look out for other communities. And I think that personally, that responsibility is something that I love the most. And I just, I'm so happy to be a part of the community. And I'm also so happy to be held to this almost higher standard. Because it's like, you get it. You know what it's look, what it's like, to be looked at differently, and I, you know, I definitely don't have the fucking blunt of the stick. I know that, okay? I get it. I have lots and lots and lots of privilege, on top of it, but I do respect this added responsibility that I have to stick up for other communities. To be a part of other movements. That aren't just my own. And um. I think we all do. I think everyone in the community can't just have. The fucking pride flags out. And just doing things that only benefit us. I think that. as like a. From a civil standpoint. We're at. We're a part of so many more communities we're just one in this whole array of minority communities and I think that we have to just all stick together and stick up for each other and I think that's what's so that's one of the most beautiful things about it all is the way that they can all come together in harmony for the same baseline principle for this same fucking freedom for this same sense of pride that's what i adore and so i think that if you are in the community or if you're a strong ally or a part of another community we also have to realize that like even if you're not in the lgbtq even if you're i was gonna say not an ally but that kind of (laughs) just ruins the whole point Even if you're in another community, a part of this whole circle. You look out for us and we look out for you because we know what the fuck it feels like. We know what the fuck you're talking about on some level, to some degree. We may not see eye to eye on everything. We may not understand each other to a T. We may not have the same privileges as the other. Some may have more than the other. But at the baseline, we understand what each other is fighting for. And having that sense of community, that overall greater sense of community, is something so fucking beautiful. So to wrap all this up, you know, from religious trauma to what, what it even means to come out and let in and the difference between that and why we should change that, um, to... My story, the hurtful words that I've heard and dealt with to how hard it is to date in the fucking closet and why you probably shouldn't do it. And so many things to just going back all the way to being able to change your life, being able to channel that energy that Emma Chamberlain so fiercely has. In yourself, because you got it too, babe. Being able to take all the conversations we had today and apply it to your life. Don't perceive me if you're not using it for your own good. And I won't perceive you unless I'm using it for my own good. And so forth. Because we're all fucking humans at the end of the day. We're all souls here for some... who God even knows what reason. And... We're all just trying to figure this shit out. We're all just trying to look out for ourselves. Some of us are looking out for ourselves more than others. We're all just... We're all just climbing through this fucking thing. So like I said in the last episode, the way I ended it on was empathy goes a long way. And I still believe that. And I think you should take that with you today. And I think you should also... Look at what boxes you have in your life. I'm not saying get rid of all of them at once because it's really fucking hard. And some of those boxes can be critical. Some of those boxes are worthy, are necessary, are seen, and are loved. But take a look at the boxes that you don't need. Take a look at the boxes that are not productive in any way. Um yeah look inward guys thanks for joining me today let me know how you guys feel about it i'm so excited to let this out i'm so fucking excited to let you motherfuckers in thank you for joining me again i know this was a long one but we got a lot to cover babe we got a lot going on so therefore a lot to cover thank you very much No, seriously, thank you guys for joining me again, and I'll see y'all later.